Welcome back to Blake's Take. Hope you are having an amazing day today. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the local and national sports from the Lamp Valley and beyond, giving you my take. So let's get right into it with the second half of the NBA season, starting off with two well-anticipated games after the long All-Star break, which was filled with fun and excitement. But it is time to dive back into the regular season where teams are going to push to finish strong in the second half. Uh, to start off this second half of the season, we had both the Grizzlies and the Washington Wizards, who are sitting outside of the postseason right now, looking to battle their way back in for a postseason spot. The Grizzlies benefited from some Washington shooting struggles in the first half, allowing them to build the lead to 19 points in the second quarter. However, Washington rallied back in the second, going on a 21-7 run to put the game within five at the end of the half, despite Beal only going one for nine during the stretch. The Wizards then continued their run into the third quarter, leading, leading them to even take their first lead of the game, putting themselves in a good spot at the start of the fourth. Yet, the Grizzlies would dominate in every aspect of the game in the fourth, making their run after run and getting bucket after bucket in the paint, leading to their win by a large margin of 127 to 112 victory. Valkanikas scored a season-high 29 points and matched the season best with 20 rebounds, while John Morant added 21 points and 10 assists on drives to the basket, with Memphis managing 78 paint points, dominating down low, especially and attacked by guards. Bradley Beal scored 21 points for the Wizards, but was only 6 of 22 from the field, including only 1 of 8 from 3-point range. Russell Westbrook finished with 20 points, while Davis Bertans and Danny Advida scored 13 apiece. So, great win for Memphis, really showing how dominant they have become in the paint and what kind of force they are building both down low and up top with their high-flying attacking guards in the into the rim. So, that is just a great to see what they've been working on in Memphis. They are clearly making John Morant already more of an aggressive guard than he is and are also getting more of the shooting guards and point guards involved trying to get into their lane because they want to establish their force in the paint and that's where they like to go. Not so much shooting outside. They like to be physical in the paint, and that's not so much we see in the league. So often now we see more of the outside shooting approach, which ultimately is riskier and has a higher miss ratio. But now if they establish themselves dominant in the paint, they're going to be able to win some matchups in opposing teams that could get them into a key playoff spot in the Western Conference race. Now on to the Battle of Texas in the Dallas Mavericks taking on the San Antonio Spurs. Before the game, though, we got some big news with Coach Greg Popovich announcing that DeMarcus Aldridge, LaMarcus Aldridge is in his sixth season of San Antonio, but would no longer be with the team by mutual agreement. The Spurs are engaged on several fronts with the potential trades for Aldridge and believe they can find a deal, perhaps even in the next week as early as that, and avoid the need to negotiate a contract buyout. If there is no trade for Aldridge before the March 25th trade deadline expires and a contract buyout does come into play, many of the league's top teams are privately expressing their interest in adding him as a free agent. Aldridge missed eight of the last Spurs' last final games before the All-Star break due to a hip and quadricep injuries. He came off the bench in the three games he played during the stretch, playing as a reserve for the first time since he was a rookie back with our hometown Portland Trailblazers and all he did there in 2006 and 2007. 
in Aldridge's last game with the Spurs. He scored two points in 15 minutes. Poor performance there. And a 124-113 to 113 overtime loss to the Brooklyn Nets on March 1st. Aldridge has averaged 13.7 points and 4.5 rebounds, along with 25.9 minutes per game this season, shooting a below average 46.4% from the field and 36% from three-point range. His scoring average in minutes are his lowest since his rookie year. He's done everything we've asked, Popovich said. At this point, we just like to work, do something that will work for both him as much as our basketball club, because he deserves that more than anyone. So well wishes for LaMarcus Aldridge as he moves on to a new chapter and most likely the last chapter in his NBA career. He may end up back in Portland. Who knows? They could use a guy like him and maybe trade in some guy like Nurkic and along with a other package, maybe some Zach Collins type, and send them along to the Spurs to get a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge again. I know he's not as prime as he was once when he was in Portland, but I think that would be a cool trade if he could come back and finish what he started back here in Portland and maybe even go on a championship run. Who knows? But it's just great to see. Uh, it's unfortunate to see for the Spurs but it's great that they're okay with them moving on to their next chapters, and I think it's a fitting time for it. Now on to the actual game, where, this, where to sum it up, San Antonio really just lost this game on the boards, getting outbounded 51-30 and outscored on second chance points 21-2, allowing the Mavs to go on a 17-4 fourth quarter run, in which the Spurs missed 11 straight shots over a span of 8 minutes. Luka Doncic had 22 points, 12 rebounds, and 12 assists in his 33rd triple-double. Kristaps Porzingis had 28 points and 14 rebounds for his third straight double-double, leading the Mavs to the 115-104 victory. DeMar DeRozan had 30 points, 11 assists, along with 4 steals, while Patty Mills, also former teammate of LaMarcus Aldridge, added 14 points, and Rudy Gay added 13 for the San Antonio Spurs. So unfortunate news for the loss of the Spurs. Hopefully they can continue to strive without LaMarcus Aldridge and continue to try and rebuild upon this team who is trying to strive for another NBA championship. And hopefully we'll see if they can get a good return for Aldridge. And I think a Portland trade would be a very good start for that. But you can also span upon the market and see what they can get. But I'm sure they will get a good return in the young roster that they have right now. Both they have some old veterans, but they also have a mix of some young stars. And if they mix that together with some other young talents that they could bring along for Aldridge in replace of him, that would be, uh, I think, a good step forward for this organization. Now to finish off this NBA seg segment, we have somewhat of a progress re report of sorts on the ke one Kevin Durant, who has been sidelined by a hamstring injury for nearly the past month. Katie is scheduled to have one more imaging done on the injury next week. Head coach Steve Nash said the hope is that the scans will dictate a clearer return timeline for Durant. Nash made it clear that even if the scan shows progress, Durant will not return to game action immediately. He hasn't played in a month, Nash said on Wednesday, so no matter what the scans say, there will still be an appropriate ramp-up time to make sure we put him in a position to finish this season strong heading into the playoffs. Nash said that Durant is able to do half-court work and shooting drills. He is still not being able to play 5-on-5 five five in practice, though, or full-court high-speed running. Durant stayed in Brooklyn to work with the physiotherapist while the team went to Houston for its last game before the All-Star break. 
Thursday will be the 10th consecutive game Durant has missed, and Nash said that while he can't completely rule it out, the team's medical staff does not believe that Durant's lingering left hamstring was impacted by the right Achilles tear that we all saw him tear in June of 2019, where he missed an entire season after signing with the Brooklyn Nets originally. So let's hope these scans reveal some positive news for once that will put Durant back in the lineup by the end of the month because he was truly balling out at the start of this season. And it was just so exciting and it's so sudden right after he returned to Golden State, put on a great performance there in his return. And then he gets injured, and now he's been kind of absent for the past month. It hasn't impacted the Nets, who have won eight of their last nine. But, of course, it's always not fun to see a star like Kevin Durant and when they're making such a super team for him to go out. We'd like to see them showcase their talents all around before they go to the NBA Finals and get that game game experience before the playoffs start. So let's hope he can get back into the lineup as soon as possible so the Nets can establish their chemistry once again. And they'll get it back quicker this time, but just to make sure that they're totally game-ready and fluid and understand one another before they head into the NBA playoffs. As far as NFL, we as news has been arising about the whole Myers Leonard semantic slur thing, which is very unfortunate. I'm sorry for those who all, were all offended by that. It was not okay and definitely disrespectful to the Jewish culture and many other people. It has reached one of the most well-known, though, Jewish athletes and greatest activists for anti-Semitism, with it being none other than Jewish athlete and Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman. Leonard apologized in an Instagram post, and he will be away from the heat indefinitely, according to the organization, while the NBA conducts an investigation in which they announced today that they will fine him $50,000 and suspend him for one week of the league calendar. Edelman posted in his letter to Leonard... Edelman posted his letter to Leonard on Twitter Wednesday, reading, I get the sense that you didn't use that word out of hate, more out of ignorance. Most likely, you weren't trying to hurt anyone or even profile Jews in your comment. That's what makes it so destructive. When someone intends to be hateful, it usually met with greater resistance. Casual ignorance is harder to combat and has greater reach, especially when you command great influence in an athlete position like yourself. He is like a virus. Even accidentally, it can rapidly spread. Last year, he, Edelman publicly invited Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson to the United States Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. after Jackson's anti-Semitic social media posts. Edelman and Jackson ended up talking after that, with Edelman later telling reporters, We stayed in touch. I think it was a healthy conversation. I just wanted to not only show that I support my community, but also show that I'm here to help people in my league, because we are all one. If there's anyone who can help Myers Leonard in this situation and help him figure out what he needs to do to help fix it and try and make himself a better person, it is Julian Edelman. He has become such a powerful voice for the Jews and their culture with him being a Jewish himself and is ultimately trying to set all athletes' differences aside so they can come together as one community, which is what we're all trying to do through all these protests in the Black Lives Matter movement and all these arrests. And all the discrimination, segregation that we face in our society today, all these athletes are just trying to come forward and make this world a better place. Because all of all, when it all comes down to all, 
this athletics have far far reach to other people like athletes have such a great influence on the public especially on this younger generation who isn't as educated on these social injustices that we face each and every day and if we can educate them through athletes that is wonderful they're their great most likely many of their greatest influences other than their parents like they have such an influence on these kids and trying to make them this younger generation such as ours a better place through these athletes influencing them through the proper way of racial equality and trying to make our society fair and equal for all i think this is a great step forward because julian edelman and if we can get more guys like julian edelman to help in racial inequality and other aspects of segregation in our society i feel like as a whole our society will become a much better place on to free agency in the league, where we have a big release in from two championship-caliber teams. First off, the New Orleans Saints are releasing veteran wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders after just one season as they continue to trim their massive salary cap deficit. Sanders was due to make $8 million this season, with $2 million guaranteed. The Saints will have at least $4 million against the salary cap by releasing him, and possibly $6 million if they post the designation as a post-June uh, post 1st release. Sanders caught 61 passes for 726 yards and 5 touchdowns in just 14 regular season games last season. He caught another 8 passes for 51 yards in the playoffs. Sanders has a total of 662 catches for 8,619 yards and 47 touchdowns in his 11-year career with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Denver Broncos, San Francisco 49ers, and the New Orleans Saints most recently. He has been selected to the two Pro Bowls and has appeared in three Super Bowls, winning the Super Bowl 50 back in the 2015 Broncos. Real surprise there for me. With the role that Sanders stepped in with the loss of Michael Thomas this season, for the majority of the season, he did a very good job of being the number one receiver, being a great target for Drew Brees. And when Drew Brees got hurt, he was a great target for uh, Jameson Winston and uh, other quarterbacks. And it was just great to see him step up into that role. I was just very, very surprised that they let him go. He seemed like a great number two receiver now that Michael Thomas is here. And I just don't know how they're going to be able to get another receiver with for that low uh, of his caliber in, in this free agent wide receiver market, which is very high right now. So we'll see what they can do. And I hope Emmanuel Sanders finds a good landing spot for himself. And he needs to show and come to an organization that knows that his talents are well worth a good contract. On to another shocking release with the Kansas City Chiefs releasing both of their starting offensive tackles. Former number one overall draft pick Eric Fisher and veteran, veteran Mitchell Schwartz in a pair of moves that will save more than $18 million against the salary cap but leaves the reigning AFC championships champions and Super Bowl favorites looking to rebuild a key spots on their offensive line, which is ultimately what cost them in the Super Bowl. So I don't know what they're doing here. 
The Chiefs needed to clear about $20 million from their salary cap before these moves. Fisher and Schwartz have been fixtures along with Kansas City's offensive line, but neither of them played in the Chiefs' Super Bowl loss in the Tampa Bay Buc- against the pa- Tampa Bay Buccaneers last month because of injuries. Fisher, who is now 30, missed the Super Bowl after tearing an Achilles tendon in the Chiefs' AFC Championship game against the Buffalo Bills, which was so unfortunate to see. He would have very much could have impacted the change of the game in the Super Bowl. As for Schwartz, he is now 31 and missed the last three months of the season after an alley back injury against, you guess who, the Buffalo Bills. Fisher was selected by the Chiefs first overall in the 2013 draft. The two-time Pro Bowler struggled early on in his career, but in recent years has began to live up at least some of the potential the Chiefs saw in him. Schwartz had a streak of 7,894 consecutive offensive snaps to begin his career before briefly being knocked out of a midseason game in 2019. He then ramped up the street to 134 consecutive games before leaving a week six game this season against the Bills with the back injury, which ruined the streak. I have tremendous amount of respect for both Eric and Mitchell, Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach said in a statement. With Eric, obviously, he was the first player we was drafted when we got, the, got to Kansas City, and we were able to watch him grow into a solid tackle for us for many years. With Mitchell, his durability and toughness is remarkable, and he certainly left his mark on this team. These decisions are never easy, especially with these guys like these, but both of these players will be remembered forever in Chiefs Nation. So I'm very unfortunate for these offensive tackles. They were going to make a true impact on this team as they already did, especially with Mitchell, just his durability and finding linemen who can stay in the game for that long. I know just it took a toll on him this year, but he'd been playing in the league for a long time. And then Eric Fisher, their left tackle, has just been unstoppable shutting down defenses defensive lines and he I truly believe that Super Bowl against the Bucks would have turned out different just with the addition of Fisher he is just an elite offensive lineman but it's unfortunate to see and they will definitely find new landing spots but my main concern is how these defending champs will, will rebuild in getting high caliber offensive linemen but we shall see as far as local sports, we got big game today for all our local sports with a football game tonight and two basketball showdowns this morning and afternoon. First and foremost, the Flomath Warriors will take on the Dayton Pirates tonight. The Warriors are looking to keep their momentum going from the dominant victory over the Glide Wildcats, while the Dayton is looking to bounce back after their loss to Amity. You can cheer on the Warriors tonight on NFHS where it is being streamed at 7 o'clock. So make sure to cheer on those Warriors tonight. They're going to need every bit of it from home. And hopefully they are going to pull out the victory. I feel confident in their run game. They And I am super confident in their defense. They're going to put on a show tonight. So make sure to tune into it. As far as local college basketball, we got some big matchups today. The Ducks will kick things off this morning against Arizona State at 11.30 a.m. on Pac-12 Network, while the Bees will follow right after them at 2.30 with a challenge against the two-seed Bruins, who the Bees have actually competed well against this season. 
So great all-around matchups for our local sports teams. So make sure to tune into some college basketball this morning and afternoon. And make sure to, wa- to watch your Philomath Warriors tonight against Dayton. They're going to put it on a show. And I hope the Beavs and Ducks both pull out victories there. But definitely the Warriors are going to get some great football action tonight. Their run game is going to be unstoppable with Blackburn and Beardsley once again establishing their grit force. And their defense is not going to let up on the gas anytime soon. So great all around. It's going to be a great night for sports around here. And make sure you just tune in as much as you can. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Blake Take. Hope that gave you an update on all our local sports that are happening around here and what's going on nationally with some racial injustice, which is unfortunate, and the weird free agency that is going on in the NFL. Uh, so much release, so much different cap space. It's weird to figure out this offseason is definitely a struggle for a lot of teams, but we'll see. Hopefully it all works itself out. You can tune in to all the new local and national sports on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or YouTube. I appreciate all the support. If you could please hit that red button that says subscribe on below and hit that like button. It would help others reach this audience and hope you all enjoyed. I'll see you all in the next one.